Welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the NHS to talk about topics which matter to them, as well as challenges that they're facing today. I'm Louis and I'm your host today. I'm joined by John, Lisa and Andy to discuss the CDIO's perspective on integrated care systems a year on. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect official positions or policy of their organizations. Before we delve deeper into today's topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Andy, do you want to kick us off? Thanks, Louis. Good afternoon, everybody. Andy Williams. I'm the uh, digital advisor for the uh, Leeds Teaching Hospitals Trust, building the Leeds Way program, part of the new hospital program, as you can see the background behind me. I'm also the interim CDIO for Harrogate District Foundation Trust. Uh, Until recently, earlier this year, I was the interim CDIO for Humber North York's uh, Integrated Care Board, and I run a small digital consultancy called AHLC Solutions Limited. So I keep myself busy. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. And over to you, John. Thanks, Larry. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm John Llewellyn. I'm the Chief Digital and Information Officer for uh, NHS Cheshire and Merseyside, the ICB in Cheshire and Merseyside. Been in post um, 10 months or so. Prior to that, um, held roles in, in most of our healthcare settings uh, for the last five, six years in um a big acute setting in in the northern care alliance and salford um and yes feel like i'm just just got my feet under the table in an icb setting great thanks john and over to you lisa hi uh lisa emery i've got the incredibly long title of chief transformation innovation and digital officer for nhs Suffolk. and um, so that does cover the digital agenda but also broadly um system strategy system development as well so um it's been an interesting uh, role spanning quite a quite a broad portfolio. I've been in post for um, all, just over a year. Um, and for those that know Sussex as a region, um, I joined uh, Sussex in November on Bonfire Weekend in Lewis, which is potentially the most ridiculous thing to do. Um, so I will never forget my sort of starting weekend moving into the Sussex area. Great. Thank you, everyone. Uh, now that we've established a bit of context to each of you, uh, let's move on to today's topic, which is integrated care systems a year on. I think it's important to set the scene really for our listeners today. Um, so integrated care systems or integrated care boards, as they're also known, uh, commonly known as ICSs and ICBs, have been operating now for just over a year. Um, they formed off the back of the CCGs. Um, technically, they are a partnership that brings together NHS organisations, local authorities and others to take collective responsibility for planning services, improving health, and reducing inequalities across specific geographical locations. We've currently got 42 ICSs across England and the panel today come from three different ones of those nationally. And so I've asked the panel today to come up with a question or statement around ICSs to discuss with the group. As usual, I'll work my way around the room asking you the reasons behind your questions and then open the floor to the panel to discuss the question itself. Before we do this today, I'd love to delve briefly into the current climate of each ICS. So I'll come to you first, Lisa. Uh, what are the challenges and successes that you've seen to date? So it's been really interesting, actually. I think if I take my particular role into account, I've probably spent um, the last nine months or so working quite heavily on the production of the joint forward plan or what we've called our shared delivery plan for the whole system, which has given me quite a, an interesting insight into the broad needs um, of, of what we're trying to do across our whole, whole of our Sussex population. And um, from a 
from that perspective, the uh, the willingness and emphasis to work at a more integrated community setting level has been really shining through. That sat, however, alongside the prevailing conditions we've got at the moment around industrial action, um, around the financial position and the, the really significant pressures the providers are under. I mean, there's this inherent tension between wanting to be more system focused and to work in that way and that really strong provider imperative to need to to look inward and get things done there. So that's been that I think has been a really big challenge, a, a really significant drive for change balanced against those really difficult day-to-day conditions. I don't think, and I'm sure hopefully colleagues would agree on the on the podcast that we've seen things quite as difficult as they are now, and yet we're trying to enact some really significant change across an entire system. Great, thank you, Lisa. And over to you, Andy. Yeah, so I, I think um, yeah, successes that 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 I've seen are, are people you know really coming together and trying to work through what the new structures actually mean to them. Uh, despite some of the strange geographical or geopolitical boundaries that ICS and ICPs have, have created uh, and, you know, where that has either sort of split up previous ways of working and, and, and collaborations or or brought new ones together, you know, that really has sort of, um, you know, made things challenging for, for, for people on the ground uh, and trying to understand, you know, especially where there may or may not be a, a, a clinical flow of patients or or even staff that work between different organisations to understand how they can actually improve on some of those uh, challenges uh, that Lisa you know highlighted in terms of pressure on the system um, when traditionally perhaps there hasn't been that that um, that flow. And I think what what's also made it uh, you know really difficult is that the financial mechanisms still haven't yet bedded in. Um, we're perhaps you know in in almost the second year of ICBs, but really only the uh, starting the second or the first full year of of financial uh, year and financial arrangements after them coming together last June, so you know a lot of the financial mechanisms are still geared towards uh, individual uh, you know trusts or partners uh, and not yet necessarily sort of supporting the collaboration means where you know, allocations are given out individually and therefore that that makes it harder for. Uh, you know, CDIOs and um, uh, and directors of finance really to come together and understand how you know what pressures that places or what opportunities that that creates, and yet despite that, as I say, uh, lot, lots of good working together around community diagnostic centres, around shared code records, around new systems coming in across geographies um, such as maternity in in, in Humber and North Yorks. Um, and, and trying to make the best of, of the situation at, at a sort of management and, and action level where, you know, ICBs are still trying to find their feet at, at perhaps policy and, and mechanism level, if that makes sense. Great. Thank you, Andy. Uh, and finally, John. Thanks, Louis. Um, yeah, recognise all, all the things that the colleagues have mentioned there. Um, and, and the financial position is, it just casts a shadow over everything, all our ambitions at the moment. But I think we've... It, what I'm seeing for the first time in 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 our patch anyway is a is a shared ownership of the the bottom line position, and that a new financial strategy is just being um, rolled out really that essentially enshrines that shared undertaking with that that problem at the bottom right hand corner is owned by all the organisations and I'm seeing it in my experience anyway fairly unprecedented collective response to that so there's there's really room grounds for optimism I think although the challenge that we 
in addressing that does hold back some of our transformational ambitions. I think in terms of the ICB, um, we, we, we're quite big and complex. We've got nine places, um, 18 NHS providers in our patch. Um, and I think perhaps on reflection, it's not surprising, but it's taken a while just for us as an organisation to come together from all those constituent CCG parts and make sense of how that all fits together. Um, in terms of my role, and um, it's almost three focus, three areas of focus. One is primary care across those nine places. There's then the, a common corporate digital experience for the organisation, and I think both of those are significant challenges um, just to keep on track and keep um, uh, a transformative view of. And then there's the system leadership, system convening piece. Um, but it feels like we've got past that that sort of forming storming phase and we're, we, we are looking forward now as a as a system um some of the highlights to be fair were things already in flight so and we've built on them so pandemic response um to using data and insights to drive decision making we've really built a, a capability and a platform there to do real population health analytics and it's it's well enshrined already in the in the ICB's DNA that we'll use data to drive insight and then act on that. So that's a real uh, something I've inherited, but it's it, it's gone from strength to strength. And, and and as Andy said, a lot of collective working on diagnostics that's breaking down barriers, and you can't do that in, in old silos. So um, I think quite a lot of grounds for optimism, but um, the reality of of dealing with some of those challenges and industrial action, as Lisa said, it's, um, I think it just tempers your ambition around the timeline and we're going to have to be patient with some of this. Um, but it feel, it still feels like the right place to be sitting to try and make a difference for me anyway. Definitely. And I think that really sets the scene as to where we're up to at present in terms of the ICSs. Um, but we wanted to move transition really into today's more pressing topics that we spoke about um, before the podcast. So I think we'll stick with you again, John, uh, on your question first, which was how do we selectively produce new ways of working as an ICS or ICB? Um, so where does that come from? Give us a bit of context to that question. So uh, w what I mean by this is um, I think there was already in Cheshire Merseyside a good spirit of collaboration amongst the health CIOs and they came together well as a group supported each other and worked together on some of the big themes. I think some of those are easier to do than others. Shared records is, it has a natural collectivism about it. Some of the other things are more difficult. Um, but what we're starting to see now as the, the ICS and the ICB sort of take shape are new clinical pathways emerging and new models of care and, and what we're trying to work through as a group of CIOs is how we solution things collectively. So 17 organizations, you can't just leave that to chance to hope that we get an architecture that makes sense. So what we're just working through is um, what do we need? What do I need to provide from the center in terms of some guardrails, some assurance models? design authority, et cetera. And how do we pull then the talent in the existing organizations to pull uh, pull together around, around single agendas? This sounds easy on paper, but um, we've tested this a couple of times recently at, at our CIO Away Day. Um, and 
got real sort of energy in the room around some of this. We've got one clinical example that a colleague brought to me. It's quite a small case study around speech and language therapy um, for head and neck cancer patients. And it's a new model where they're, they're building a service that isn't hosted in one of the trusts. It's a, it's a new, um, almost autonomous model and immediately run up against workforce and digital challenges in doing that. So a patient on that pathway might have surgery in one trust or one of three or four trusts, uh, radiotherapy in another trust, community support somewhere else. Um, and the staff may work in any of those settings. So if you set the digital challenge around that, um, at almost every stage, we're not giving them a good experience. So we, we're, we're using that example and some others around shared surgical pathways to think, how do we come together and have a new model that allows us to solution together and keep the integrity of that architecture. And I think it's, it would be difficult in one place, but doing it across our geography is incredibly difficult. But I think everyone agrees it's the right thing to do. And the finance position means you shouldn't be trying to do anything other than work collectively. But that's my, that's my current sort of uh, exam question to go to bed thinking about what what's the methodology and what's the machinery we need to support that at a light touch where where you don't create another big team in the center to do it it's we've got the talent in the system but only all, all our financial m models the way we're funded still talks to an old way of working and um so it, we've got to do it despite some of the the, the current uh, financial models and some of the imperatives around organizational ambitions that set them against one another sometimes. So not a difficult one to solve, but um, interested in colleagues' views on that and how I think case by case, we can build up a new way of thinking about some of this um, and, and, and not go down, I guess, unhelpful blind alleys around all moving to the same system because it doesn't necessarily answer that question. If, if you, uh, what we found is just how do we federate our teams instances, um, which would allow some better use of shared documents and workflows. And we've run into very quickly, we've got some cyber, um, issues in one or two places, or we've got infrastructure challenges. So it, it, it's then keeping that group together to solution all that. And, and what, what we hope is that, you know, uh, case by case, we actually start to think in that way and come together and design in that way. Um, not everything will work like that, but that's, I think, the value of the ICS and the ICB's role in it. I'm still feeling out how far we step into the ownership of that or we do we convene it. it, it and I don't think one size fits all. Thanks, John. Uh, over to Lisa. I was going to use that convene terminology, actually, John, because... You're quite right. I mean, it's that that piece between what's the role with the ICB. So we've got a strategic and statutory oversight, haven't we, as ICB um, members? But the strength is in in that ability to convene partners across a solution and across a problem, isn't it? So a similar sort of vein, I suppose. Um, we're trying to tackle some of those challenges around workforce and digital and data sharing in um, some what we've called community front runner projects. So. Um, a particular one that comes to mind is, is what some work we're doing in Brighton around adults with multiple compound needs. So how we bring together then um, for those who don't know multiple compound needs is where and people are experiencing two or more of a set of problems. So, for example, um, addiction, homelessness, alcohol abuse, um, risk of domestic abuse, that kind of thing. Bringing that together then to look at 
if you if you bring teams together around that problem and you you put support in around people to look at those wider determinants of of the problems they're experiencing you actually then start to address why they're attending um ed departments multiple times but but the sweet spot as you've said john isn't it is how do you then get a solution around the data sharing that's needed to make that happen the workforce barriers to bring teams of people to work together and not having digital as a, a blocker um but it's, as you quite rightly say not then enforcing this idea of a, the same system um across the board because we just know that's not a practical way of looking at it so we're trying to tackle it through three we've only got three places john not nine um but we're doing something of that sort of that, that magnitude in each of our three places to sort of do a bit of a test of change yeah just just coming out i mean what what a question john i mean it, it is the one that we're all grappling with isn't it to be honest and no no easy answers i guess you know new ways of working partnership essentially isn't it and and partnership grows whether it's public or private sector and a bit of experience in both it grows through opportunity uh, and reason for being so you know what is that that challenge that needs to be solved that really you know helps to achieve one of the organization aims or the icb uh, clinical goals uh, or population health uh, you know management areas and i think if if we sort of focus first as as you've said and and lisa's outlined as well on the people so what people do we need with the skills resources are have we already got them they're already in the organizations but but dispersed and scattered so can we bring them together do do we not have them in which case can we group together to to employ uh you know maybe we want to lead organization or the icb and then bringing them in and cyber strikes me as one of those areas you know it, it we're on i think the verge of a cyber pandemic if we're not careful you know there's, there's so much uh you know uh, risk in the healthcare sector of, of cyber attack at the moment i think it's the third uh most attacked sector after uh banking and, and government um and uh you know the skills for uh you know effective cyber um preparations are, are very dispersed uh are very rare and also incre- incredibly expensive you know to get the right people with the right sort of experience if, if we were to entice them away from the other sectors uh so i think that's where you know bringing together organizations buying power and um you know getting the right people in place but also th- it could be about you know groups of uh clinicians nurses ahps coming together to solve a, a clinical problem that uh you know exists in a in a particular place um that doesn't exist in the rest of the icb so you know a very coastal region in humber north york's on the east coast you know has vastly different challenges to the uh you know the the york's moors or uh, or dales so um yeah it, it, you you've got to try and i think places the for me the uh, level of efficiency um where you can really bring people together and for me it's about people process tech so if you can get the people together try and solve some problems identify the right processes that are either broken don't exist or need changing and then yeah the technological challenges are you know we should be enabling uh, for digital and not putting up barriers but we know there are difficulties there whether it's contractual because we've got different systems uh, that contractually won't talk to each other or we can't get out of them for some time without significant penalties or we've got, uh, you know, uh, technological problems with interfaces that, uh, you know, or, or even, you know, suppliers that won't share the information uh, as readily as we we all wish they would. 
Um, so, you know, the, the, not to be overlooked some of those technological challenges, but I think where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, you know, if we get people around the problem, solve it with a process, it's quite uncanny how sometimes those technological problems can be solved, even if it just takes a bit longer than we'd all prefer. But it's a great question. Yeah, it's um, it's sometimes the practical things, isn't it? So we, we might have a solution, but actually, as a, as a trust CIO, you've got 50 other priorities. So it, it may sit on your work plan till next year. And similarly, you might have, so in our diagnostics program, we've just uh, made a decision to consolidate around a single limb solution. But if you're sitting in a trust, it's a neater solution quite often to have it embedded in your EPR. And so which which business need trumps which one? And in this case, the, the, the benefits of a single limbs for a diagnostic workforce ambition was seen to be more important but that needs a lot of trust amongst the cio group and and um the other thing i'd say is there are all the other lobbies in this integration space so all the cfos all the finance people need to align all the ops people need to align. so i think a lot of the challenges is keeping our professional group tightly aligned and and not having people feel they're outside of that or that their views aren't being listened to because i think then you can make some of those difficult decisions from a position of trust. Um, it's not an overnight thing. And and I think it sounds like we're all trying to do some of the same hearts and minds piece, really. Yeah, I think trust is uh, trust is earned, isn't it? Um, and, and it takes time uh, between a, a, a set of colleagues that may or may not have worked together, uh, you know, over, over the history. But, but also some of those colleagues, uh, you know, will have been in, in the previous, uh, you know, sort of setup of, of competition rather than collaboration. And, and that makes it really difficult if, you, if you've previously been in organizations that are vying for services and therefore innovating to uh, compete and, and, and win services, then you're asking them to come together and uh, make concessions, uh, which, uh, you know, is, is tricky and, and takes a bit of adjusting to, um, but it, it does feel like it it will solve more problems quicker um, if, we, if we have those sort of open eyes discussions about, well, what's the best way to solve them and then figure out how we do it. Yeah. And, and the, the scale of this ambition knows no bounds, really. So the other example we'd looked at was surgical pathways, where you you might start your pathway in one trust, move across to at least three others for treatment and, and rehab. And the, the first exam question was, how can we get the data to flow as the patient moves between each organisation? And, and we've ended up with fairly um, rudimentary document sharing in the first instance, but actually the real prize is information and and coding and calling the same thing the same thing in each organization so it spins out into an information informatics agenda um that and so there's a wider group of colleagues need to be in the room discussing it and it it's there i think andy you said it it's case by case isn't it and coming together around one case and if we do it well enough often enough we, we'll get to a critical mass where we're thinking more collectively I suspect I will have retired by the time we get to um, anything resembling the nirvana I'm describing. But um... <laughs> uh, plenty of time for that, surely. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, and I think that topic of conversation leads really nicely uh, into our next question today, uh, which is Lisa's, and that was how do we measure success and become more outcome focused as an ICS? Uh, so over to you, Lisa. Give us a bit of context to that question. Mm. Thanks for that. So, so I suppose where I've been sort of 
lifting my head a bit out of um, some of the specific digital challenges and, and, as I said earlier, focusing on what our shared delivery plan looks like across all of our priorities. So our, our shared delivery plan focuses across um, sort of four delivery areas and, and really majors on how do we how do we actually make integrated community teams a thing? So we've agreed 16 geographical footprints across Sussex as our integrated community teams. They're coterminous with our districts and boroughs, and we're starting to map population health profiles for each of those and thinking about how we actually demonstrate that we've genuinely changed outcomes and we're genuinely impacting health and care um, across that across the population. And I think then when I sort of got back into our digital and data board, and maybe start asking rather more searching questions around how we're measuring success for digital and data. So um, to give us a you know, very trite, if you like, perhaps example, we, we benchmark really well in Sussex for uptake of the NHS app and the use of our um, My Health and Care record, our, our patient portal, which is, you know, 65, 60 odd percent um, uptake. Fantastic. But, but so what? What does that mean? What's the experience for people? Is it changing the dial in terms of access to primary care and pressure on primary care? What does it mean for people? Are we engaging um, the right members of the population to describe to discuss how we actually design these things and what their experience has been and has it changed anything for them? So I've put a bit of challenge back into our digital board across our system to say every other aspect of our delivery plan is mapping to a set of outcomes. Where do we sit in this? What is it that we are doing that is, is turning that dial? So I guess that's been a tough question I've put and we're still working our way through it but I'm really interested in other perspectives on how people are handling it I think just to to leave it then at the point is after that is that I, I went and googled it digital digital and data outcomes couldn't find anything they were all processy type numbers infrastructure type measures and I think if we are going to genuinely show and, and you talked about it didn't you how we are enabling that change at that place and, and community level I'd like us to be a bit more ambitious in the way we describe that and the way we measure it. So keen to hear other colleagues' thoughts on that one. By no means got it sorted, by the way, just starting that journey, really. Okay, thanks, Lisa. Come over to you first, John. Uh, yeah, great question. And uh, I think we've got quite a good dialogue going at RICB at our board now. There's an understanding of what we're trying to do in digital, but the challenge is coming back, which is encouraging. What difference is it making? We've given you X million for that analytics capability. What where, which dials are you going to turn and change? And we're doing it. Um, I think the NHS app's a great example, isn't it? And that primary care recovery. Because um, you can have, my chief exec's got quite an inquiring mind. He'll, he's asked me those figures and then gone and checked himself around at a practice level, what does that give you access to? And then how many people are accessing their records? And the bit that's missing is the qualitative experience of that and has it changed their uh, mental health, uh, physical well-being, uh, uh, general satisfaction, has it reduced pressure on the... And it, I think it's seeing that piece end-to-end, -end, isn't it? Not just plumbing it in and saying we've done our bit. Uh, we've we've enabled the app and we've enabled you your clinical system to, to uh, integrate with it. And that's a live exam question for us. How, which people work collectively to answer that question? And where do we take that data back? Um, and then similar discussion around our shared records. We've had exactly this. Just getting clicks is no measure. It doesn't measure anything, does it? It measures the fact you put it on someone's desktop and tell them it's there. What's the clinical benefit from that? Um, I don't think we do it well. well I don't think we do it comprehensively enough. 
Um, but I, again, one of the positives in my job, I sit in the medical directorate for that reason. We, 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 we've set from the outset, said digital is an enabler for the clinical strategy. Um, and I just think we need to put, it's probably a proportional effort in it, isn't it? It's worth, uh, it's that learning organization ambition. If let, let's, let's actually follow up on what our hypothesis was and prove it or not. Um, and, and again, we, we've got quite good academic links to do that formally. Um, but as a profession, I think we all know what the methodology is and what we should be looking at. It's having the, uh, the, the commitment to doing it, isn't it? And putting resource into, into completing the loop of learning. I think that's right. Yeah. I'll, I'll just quick, should I just quickly come in on that? Because I, and then I'll, I'll sorry, Anne, just it'll go out of my head otherwise. Because it, so we had, it's just timing, a timing thing, but we had the first coming together of our digital and data people's panel for the integrated care system yesterday. So 17 members of the public with lived experience who've all volunteered into it. Absolutely fascinating. I joined them on their break to just go and meet people and, and all tackling that sort of conversation. So we've signed up to, the digital and data charter we've signed up to a people's panel but i still i said i said to the room look i really want you to challenge us i don't want you to come and and have the great ideas and and talk to the digital my digital team and say oh, isn't that wonderful what you're doing i want you to challenge us i want you to push us and i want you to come and tell you the, tell us the experiences that are driving you to come and sit in this room and what you want to change so it was to you to me that's green shoots john i think you're right um that's getting some of the right people in the room, but there's an infrastructure around that and there's a commitment and there needs to be, as we move that through the next few months and that, that group meets, they need to see the change enacted, don't they? They need to see the fruits of their labour. So um, I think you make a really good point there. I love the uh, the, the learning loop, John, and uh, um, I think, you know, as you've said, Lisa, data is the key. It's the answer to this, but what data and when and, and, and how. Um, and I wonder if it, it, there is a bit of, um, maturity aspects here, a bit of credibility. You know, it's, it's very easy and, and probably needed at the start when you bring in new technology to sort of look at the transactional measures and like you say, clicks and, and numbers of people downloading the apps or using it and that kind of thing. And as, as digital sort of functions, you know, uh, traditionally, uh, that, that maturity has been low in terms of how you can um, uh, enable the organization or have a credible conversation with operations and strategic and, and clinical colleagues about it's not just IT, it's not just a cost center, it's not just a, a function, it's a transformational and enabling uh, you know, investment uh, area. And I think you, you've got to, got to balance the basics with the beyond. So we need to prove that digital and information sort of teams and organizations can can, can provide resilient and, and sustainable uh, systems and solutions that, that uh, you know, actually do uh, work and are usable and therefore people use them, but then work with data colleagues and, and information strategy colleagues in terms of saying, well, how do we correlate the data that we're getting from the transactional information with how it is moving forward and moving the dial of it, as I think you said, John, on the transformational aspects, you know, is it actually helping improve some of those clinical strategy elements from, uh, you know, uh, health improvement? So, you know, uh, people accessing the app for, you know, you know, in, in a certain area, many times, you know, is there any correlation and stratification with then, uh, you know, a, a change in behavior, either for, you know, quitting smoking or or accessing uh, alternative 
you know, uh, front door services as opposed to, you know, going to A&E. That's the real uh, question, isn't it? And and if it's not, if it's not helping to make an impact on that, is it the right thing? Should we be pivoting and not persevering with that particular solution because it's not actually doing anything to, to shift? Um, so I think, you, you know, your question about, you know, how do we measure success? Well, we've, I think we have to align it to the organizations and the ICB's clinical strategy and say, is what we're doing in digital and information actually making any difference and changing behaviors and habits um, and, you know, helping, uh, you know, work towards a more preventative uh, system as opposed to, you know, a reactive health uh, health intervention. Just on that last point around the line with the clinical ambition, we've, we've, we're just publishing a clinical constitution for Cheshire and Merseyside, and it's it basically enshrines all the lo- logical things that you think would happen anyway. But it's it, it's saying we will everything we do will be evidence based, and we'll look to remove variation, we'll standardise, and we'll we'll act on evidence. And what it's enabled me to do is we've almost mapped the digital ambitions underneath that, and it's that's your point, Andy. The way you validate that is is measuring it and reporting it and um, evaluating it, and I think we're trying to enshrine that in our culture. and And we've got some great examples where we're doing it, and we can point to real. We're doing some work with AI um, around interrogating waiting lists and pulling people forward for prehabilitation, pre-surgical, and the numbers are really impressive. But we're not doing that as a matter of course on every digital initiative, and I think that's the challenge, like getting that mindset um, enshrined in our in our project life cycles, our approach. Um, but yes, the clinical leadership seems to be um, what feels different to me at the moment to other other iterations of this conversation I've had over the years. Thanks, John, and I hope that helps to answer that question, Lisa. Um, I'm particularly interested in seeing how that digital panel progresses uh, in the future. It's a really interesting one for me, not something I've heard of so much nationally. Um, so yeah, really interested in that. Um, and then over to you, Andy, really, uh, for your question would be, is the role of an ICS CDIO sustainable as we move into the future? Yeah, and and really, I, I, it does link a little bit on to, to what John was saying, Lisa, you know, that, that um, a lot of the digital roles and information roles are now aligning under medical uh, executive uh, uh, leadership. And uh, it, the, the question's born, I think, from, you know, there's a lot of organizations, there's 42 organizations up and around the country, in addition to all the NHS trusts, all the local authorities, all the, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of voluntary and, and, and third party and, and care organizations that make up an ICB. And and it's twofold is have, have we got, uh, you know, enough sort of uh, skilled people that can uh, can do those roles. Uh, I know there's a lot of organisations that are relying on uh, interims and uh, you know can't recruit even when they do go out to recruitment. They, they, you know they're not they're not appointing permanent people. Um, and I think uh, you know also uh, the breadth of experience to be able to sort of lead uh, across those different domains uh, credibly. You know without uh, you know. Uh, having sort of losing their uh, their focus on on the area from from which you know their background is so you know I'm just just wondering because it does seem to be shifting towards more clinical um, digital leadership you know uh, is the role of of a traditional sort of 
informatics, IT, digital leader, you know, sustainable uh, in the long term for, for ICBs, really, and, you know, value opinions from around the country. Really interesting challenge. I, I think the answer might be in scale. And I think, I, I think in my, my geography, I don't think that collaboration and that the aligned thinking would happen without some some leadership at the center uh, just because of the amount of um in the nicest possible way the amount of cats to herd around a particular agenda um but i think that's a certain style of that's a certain leadership capability it, it might not be your traditional um technical cio role and and it arguably could be done by a clinician to some extent some of that system system convening I think it's early days for us in the med in the medical director, but it's it's really starting to bear fruit, and we're planning a, a medical summit um, for next month. This morning, and I'm I'm part of that planning, and I'm part of that event. You know, as, as recently as a year or two ago, I wouldn't have been thought of in those terms. So I think the lines are blurring. Um, it might come down to specialism. There's probably an argument for infrastructure skills in the centre that almost around assurance and some of the cyber stuff. Um, so it might be horses for courses, I think. Um, I would say it's not made easy by, as we touched at the outset, around the way funding flows. So do you need someone like us sat at the centre? I think it's hard. To, it, it's it's quite difficult to demonstrate your value when quite a lot of the funding bypasses you and goes into organisations. And I know that's some legacy ways of thinking and funding and and um but i think it goes hand in hand i think to make a full success of these roles and this concept i think that needs a a, a more more autonomy of, of financial planning and and allocation of funds over a multi-year period because then you can take your clinical objectives and your organizational priorities and set a strategy to deliver those um it feels quite often like we're doing that after the event, always one hand tied behind our backs. Um, but everyone knows that, and I, I, don't, I don't think there's any anyone to blame. I think it's it's making the best of that. Um, so yeah, I, I still think there's a place, but um, it's where do you put your focus for best efforts, isn't it? Because you you could do work twenty four hours a day and not not cover all the agenda. So where's your, where do you add most value? And is it system convening or is it performance management? Is it more traditional? system leadership and decision making that's another fine line to tread that's a that's a really good point sorry so i did jump in on that yeah is, is it a uh a, like you said system leadership bringing people together herding the cats as you said or or actually you know is is there a more of a line management uh you know leadership of the of the the cdios or cios or it directors in in the role you know and and that's uh you know that that sort of hierarchical approach it, 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 at the moment it's very much system leadership i think and 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 bringing people together but you know does it move towards that uh, uh you know sort of leadership role uh, or different you know, management role uh, in in due course or uh, you know or does it stay as it is that's another element to it really i, I was just thinking you know reflecting on what you're both saying i absolutely agree and i think you, you do see that i do see a transition to the role i, I don't disagree so we'll, we'll always have that statutory sort of performance management type aspect to the role of an integrated care board won't we but there's a big convening piece and leadership piece thought leadership included you know included strategic leadership is really important so I, I do see it moving in that direction. Of course, that does rely, doesn't it, as we've all talked about, on funding mo funding models and mechanisms being sorted out because they are 
you know, you know intrinsically um, difficult to manage and, and don't allow us to make change in the kind of way we're all talking about as it stands. Um, and then looking at how providers are, so increasingly, aren't we, we're moving towards provider-led or provider collaborative-led pieces of work. So you would address this potentially in a similar way, wouldn't you? There will be things that sit very well in a provider-led environment from a digital and data perspective, and some that do actually genu- genuinely sit best either at system or region, and therefore we have a role to play in that. So we've been exploring both. We've explored or exploring um shared work with colleagues across some of the areas you've both described to so cyber information governance that kind of thing across our south region our southeast region and then from a provider perspective we've tried to sort of break our delivery into domain areas of expertise and then look for provider leads in each of those to try and start moving more of that responsibility out into providers but putting a bit of architecture and scaffolding around that to make sure that they've got the right um conditions for success if you like and it's difficult, isn't it? And there's trust involved and there's, it's great to say, can you lead on that? But then if you, it doesn't come with resources and it doesn't come with some support, that's a very different conversation. So it's early days, I think John's right. And I do feel that move towards more clinical leadership just, you know, just inherently feels correct, doesn't it? But um, I know it's patchy and we, we certainly know in Sussex we've got a way to go in terms of really getting into that model. And it sounds like you're doing great stuff, actually, um, John. So I'll probably be picking up with you after this to see how you're managing it. Just on that last point around almost a devolved leadership model, we've had since before I came on board, actually, the CIO group each taking a lead on individual themes. And that's an interesting model as well. Some have more bandwidth than others. So some will run run that agenda as, as another job almost, and others will just act more as a post box and communication equally valid both equally valid and i think as a minimum it keeps the group all cited on um the agenda and some of the risks and and uh, discussions with finance and so on but i think quite quickly you run out of bandwidth so you can only take an ag- and some of these are big agendas elective recovery diagnostics you can only go so far before you're in this intruding on the day job so i think Probably needed, it needs more discussion around what are we trying to achieve and what are we asking of people in the system. Because I think as a group of professionals, we we just work ridiculous long hours, and and it seems just a common experience because there's so much to do. Um, so we can't have the ICB creating more demand on people. It's it's got to be balanced out, hasn't it? The agenda has to be shared out. Yeah, that that distributed leadership model is 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 interesting, isn't it? Because uh, as you say, it sort of makes sense to cut things uh, and and share them out amongst the, the the leaders within within the area. But um, you might be asking someone to lead on something for the whole patch that uh, here is huge in terms of its effort. And and as you say, if there's no support there or the uh, you know the, the additional sort of resources to to make it happen, you know, it 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 really becomes a struggle. And then it's about the balance between those that are sort of CDIOs at, at ICB level, are they are they sort of enacting uh, changes or are they, again, leading and, and herding those changes to be made as opposed to actually sort of, you know, directing programs of work or, or you know, uh, initiatives to actually happen. So just, just really good to get your thoughts about how it's uh, changing shape around the country as well. Thank you for that. Great. Thank you all for that. Uh, finally, I think today it'd be nice to conclude uh, with where you see the ICSs having the biggest impact on healthcare as we move into the future uh, over the next five years, next 10 years. Um, 
So who would like to come in on that first? Where do you see the biggest impact of ICSs on healthcare? So I'll start where I started at the top around population health. If we go back to our reason for being here, the four sorts of priority objectives, there's definitely a piece around population health and um, our ability to curate data at that scale and use the insight in a different way. Um, I'm seeing enough now to say we've, we've changed the thinking there. Um, we need to keep the pressure on there. Um, and then that spins out into the prevention agenda and, and having a director of pop, uh, public health in our organization is hugely uh, aligned with that, that piece of work. So I think that's where we can make a real difference. And actually, it's the value of the data that we collect in just huge amounts and sense making that data and driving real insight out, working with academic colleagues and, and, and learning from that. I, I think... I'm really optimistic that we can do something different and, and make a difference in my lifetime to the way we design and deliver services and, and emphasize investment on prevention, but use do it on an evidence base. So I, I think that, that has to be part of the five-year plan. Thanks, John. And over to you, Lisa. I'm, I'm going to come in and hugely strongly agree with that because I think that's exactly right. Um, so we've, you know, we've committed to to driving care closer to home, to understanding our populations much more deeply and using an evidence base, haven't we, to deliver more tailored care because we know we've got incredibly diverse um, population groups across all of our geographies, haven't we? If we're going to do that, that that piece around joining up the data, having a single source of the truth and genuinely putting it in the hands of the right people has to be you know, one of the key drivers and it's both one of the most exciting and scary prospects. Um, but I agree with John. I do think it's achievable and we have to go at it because that's what will turn the dial. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to strongly agree with you, John. I really want to disagree now just to make it more punchy, <laughs> but no, I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. I think I, I'm an ever, ever the optimist. Um, I'm really excited about, you know, what we could change within the NHS through digital enabled, uh, yeah, care models, uh, that, that, that improve that that focus on prevention and health as opposed to treatment and and care. Uh, you know, if we can l seek to turn the dial using data and population health management on some of those areas that are, that are really suffering, uh, both for, for health uh, inequality and for uh, digital inequality and, and for, uh, you know, uh, pressure on the system, then, then that's where, you know, ICBs could make a massive impact if they're given the chance to do so. And for me, that's about consistency of the model now. You know, we're on the cusp of probably a, a general election in the next, you know, nine months. And we all know what that means. Even when the same, uh, or, you know, same party keeps power, uh, it's not always the same people at, at, at the top. So, um, you know, consistency of sticking to the NHS long-term plan, sticking to this model, regardless of whether the government is the same, different people, or a different government, you know, we, this organisational structure needs to be given chance to bed in and try and make a difference. Uh, because if it's changed too soon, you'll just end up focusing on the change again and not on the improvements that can be made. And I think I really want ICBs to focus on on spread and adoption. Um, you know, and that for me means looking at emulating what's already been innovated and not just innovating. So emulation before innovation, innovation has its place, but not solving the same problem twice. 
because I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a great quote I love, which is the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. So we already know in the next five years what we could be doing and what we can use to change uh, the model. But we just need to spread that across uh, more evenly and, and uh, you know, get the power of that working as much as we can. Thanks, Andy. And over to John. I totally agree with the last point around not reinventing that wheel and, and some of the, the digital maturity work nationally and blueprinting and so on. We should do more. We should refer more to the available evidence before we start with a blank piece of paper. Absolutely. I just just going back to the, my last point around what we can do in five years. At our board last this month, our ICB board, we had a, a staff story, and it was a nurse uh, uh, dealing with um, COPD patients, I think, community respiratory, and it it was the experience that she'd had based on data we'd collated from multiple sources around cold homes, fuel poverty comorbidities and she was in tears describing the difference it's made to her clinical practice and the individual patients that she's been able to help who couldn't decide whether to heat their home or buy their oxygen and the whole board were moved by it and i think that's why we're doing this that's we got to do more of it and be bolder and believe in the data and i think uh, it really struck home to me it's like wow that's why i've been wrestling with some of this architecture and governance and information governance for the last year to to, to achieve some of that stuff so it, it, it's really encouraging brilliant and i think that's a really fitting way to end the conversation there that that is the why for everyone working in the nhs isn't it to affect the patient pathways and the patient journey as well um so before we end the podcast i'd like to say a huge thanks to everyone for joining today and um, again on the, the guests on the podcast today were john llewellyn Andy Williams and Lisa Emery. If you are hiring for any technical roles or looking for a new role yourself, please do get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone else would like to feature on the podcast, please drop me a message on LinkedIn. I'm Louis. You can find me on LinkedIn, as I mentioned, or alternatively visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash UK forward slash NHS. Thank you again to all the guests for joining and thank you for listening.